The But First Stretch podcast taps into the extraordinary endeavors that ordinary humans are doing daily to better their lives and their community. The goal of these conversations is to lengthen and extend our perspective on fitness, nutrition, holistic health, the mind-body connection, and what motivates us. The final portion of each episode will provide a guided meditation to self-reflect on the theme of the interview. Brought to you by Jennifer McCracken of FitFam Conchi. Hi, I'm Jen McCracken of FitFam Conchi. Welcome back to But First Stretch. And if it's your first time, I'm so glad that you're joining me. Today I have a special guest to discuss a very important topic today. Community involvement and reaching into your own talents to make a difference. So fun fact about this episode, it's the first episode I've done via Skype and I still feel that the energy, the conversation really shines even via Skype, not being in person. So our community member of the week on But First Stretch is Sarah Aronson. So truth be told, I struggle to where to even begin Sarah's bio for this podcast. Her work and her reach is immense. She embodies the whole entire message of But First Stretch, so I'm so happy to be in conversation with her. Sarah's full-time job is in marketing, and even though she loves her work, I don't think this is what we will remember her for. Sarah's passion projects that align to the community are her real work. She teaches French and French culture classes at the adult night school in the area. She is active in the local Rotary Club. She runs with Conchi Running and is always chasing down another personal record. Sidebar, I love running behind Sarah. Her ponytail bounces and I know that she's smiling even when I can't see her because she's always smiling when she's running and it makes me happy. Um, She's an advocate and supporter for suicide awareness and prevention because she lost her brother a few years back. Sarah's an amazing writer. She is currently blogging for From Paul Sees the World a blog started by her friend Paul who lost his battle with cancer about a year ago. She cares about people and is one of the nicest, most genuine person I've ever met. Two fun facts about Sarah. We graduated from high school together. Our paths have been crossing for many years and definitely for a reason. And she's married to Yaniv, the current mayor of Conchahokan. So let's stretch our mind, body, and soul. The first portion of the podcast is the warm-up, introducing our guests. All right, so hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be a guest on But First Stretch. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you, and I'm really excited for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. So what is your background? Where are you from? And what really started your interest or drive in community involvement? Great. So I am actually... um, so Jen and I went to high school together, so we go Yay. way back um, from a small town in southern Chester County, Pennsylvania, and we um, we were in similar circles of friends throughout high school, stayed in touch, and both ended up in Conchahokan. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually ended up in Conchahokan about six years ago, and I've always been running. I was running all through high school, as Jen probably remembers, mm-hmm. and I kept running throughout adulthood and actually reconnected with a friend who we also went to high school, Carrie, um, went to high school with her and she and I went to, she convinced me to go to this running club in Conchahokan. So I joined Conchi Running back in April of 2015 and I didn't know anyone and I ended up um, meeting my husband there who Jen actually had met before me through Conchi Running. So we met. And um, I made a lot of friends and uh, really established a base here in Conchahokan. At the same time, though, I was going to yoga home in Conchahokan and was practicing yoga regularly. I had uh, started doing that back in 2011. And also at the same time, I've always been a writer. So Mm -hmm. I was completing my graduate degree in creative writing. So in July 2015, I completed my master's of fine arts in creative writing and translation. Uh, French translation, so that's always been an interest of mine as well, and practicing yoga, writing, speaking French, and running are currently my passions, but then I've also had an opportunity, uh, back in 2009, my family actually lost my brother John to suicide at the age of 19, 
so through the many connections I've made in Conshohocken, I actually was able to connect with the Montgomery County Suicide Prevention Task Force, which is a group of volunteers who really exist to provide the resources and personnel and capabilities to uh, advocate and work towards preventing suicide in Montgomery County and supporting those who are impacted by suicide in Montgomery County. And they're a wonderful group of volunteers uh, based in the mm -hmm. Montgomery County Department of Health and Human Services. And I joined the task force and really just became this full-time advocate in my spare time. I actually work in marketing, mm -hmm. uh, which I love. And this is a volunteer position for me, but I was given the opportunity to join the board of directors for Prevent Suicide PA through the work I've done with the task force and have really been working hard to, with all of the resources we have, we have a number of wonderful resources, including the task force here right in Montgomery County. And I've been working to bring about awareness of suicide prevention and um, really the existence of suicide in Montgomery County and, and helping to create an environment where folks who are at risk for suicide or who may know someone who is feel comfortable seeking help. Because as I mentioned, we have a lot of really great resources in the county, but I do believe there is still a stigma, a stigma, excuse me, associated with the word suicide. And I think that it sometimes prevents our neighbors and friends and family members and community members from seeking help. And um, those are the people who are most at risk. So the work I'm doing is to help those people. Oh, that's amazing. That's so important. Yes. So it's a long time coming and I did not even expect it. Um, I did not expect to become an advocate for suicide prevention, but I actually in high school had had severe depression and mm -hmm. I actually, um, I don't know how I was able to do this, but I feel very fortunate that I was actually able to beat it in college and I, and I don't have depression anymore. I actually currently have anxiety. So, but I think that, um, you know, knowing what it felt like to be there in that depressed state I, and knowing what it feels like to have anxiety, I think that we as a culture need to work to create um, a, a space where it's okay to not be okay and to talk about it because I think a lot of us are struggling with and have struggled with some form of mental illness or um, mental struggle mm. and often don't feel comfortable sharing it. Yeah, and thank you for sharing. I feel like in high school, I never would have known that about you. And I think it's important for us to be able to open up and be in a space that's supportive. I, I think your work is so imperative right now. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for your support and for giving me the opportunity to share um, in this space. I think it's it takes a lot of courage just to allow others to share about a topic that is still uh, often scary for mm -hmm. a lot of us. Absolutely. And I mean, I feel like this next question that I ask everybody, you there's so many ways you can take this question. And my question that I always ask is, what is the most rewarding part of your job? So this could be like your marketing job. You could take this as your work in suicide prevention or even as your unofficial title of first lady of Conshohocken. Yes, so I did. Yes, so I do want to mention that uh, my husband is the mayor of Conshohocken. So, and when we met, he was not involved in politics. When Jen met him as well, you know, um, Yaniv was not involved in politics. And it was through, I said, as earlier, um, I mentioned that Conchi Running kind of became this base for building community in Conshohocken for me, and I believe it did for him as well. And we started actually connecting with folks in the Rotary Club. And so through the Rotary Club, we met someone, met several people who had been in politics previously, but we met someone who really encouraged um, Yaniv to run and connected him with a really supportive, um, experienced group of people uh, that really uh, enabled him to run. And then he did the hard work and mm -hmm. um, campaigned for nine months and was elected in January, selected in November of 2017, and sworn in in January of 2018. Yeah. And Jen and Sean and her family were very supportive of <laughs> us and of my husband from the beginning. Yeah. So that is another role that I'm fortunate to have here in Conshohocken as First Lady of Conshohocken. 
And what do you like? What do you love about being first lady? Let's. I think that's like a nice one. What do you love about so, that? I do. I do love how active this town is and how receptive people are to um, support. And I do. I do think that in this role, we have an opportunity to like firsthand connect with our community members, our neighbors, um, and really support them. So this town is based on a lot of small business and we, we really have gotten to know the small business owners who run, you know, maybe one of the busiest pizza shops in town, Mm -hmm. or we actually, I, I do have to mention yoga home again. So we, we've gotten to know the owners of yoga home, um, Carrie Hanlon and Maura Manzo really well. And we've been able to support them. You know, my husband, you know, tries to go to every single event they have, but also he tries to tell people about the good work that they're doing in the community, whether it be through social media or conversation or, um, you know, through someone. We, we meet a lot of people every day who are doing a lot of great things for the town. So I think what's really my favorite part about being First Lady is connecting people and helping people do more and bigger and better things that they've already been wanting to do, but connecting people and continuing to build on what this town has through doing so is, is just really amazing. The partnerships we've been able to see blossom and the events that we've seen happen are really incredible. Yeah, and I love like right now seeing your your posts about supporting the local businesses during this time, ordering takeout. It's so yes. cute. A new place like every night. I'm like, we are so lucky. <laughs> it's so important because uh, especially in what we're going through right now with the coronavirus pandemic, it could really take a toll on a small business. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that, and Unique does too, that social media is a really great way to reach people and create a buzz about something. And if the buzz can be support your local business and in something like takeout, which maybe you don't always think of doing, you know, maybe it's a restaurant where you sit down, but if you can do something like order takeout for a random night out of the week, that will go a long way if we have several people doing that. So Mm -hmm. just try to encourage people. I love that. (laughs) Thank you for your support. So I guess this is like a tough question, but what has been the most challenging part of assuming this role of, you know, first lady supporting Yaniv, becoming mayor. What's I can assume in politics, it's really challenging. I think that's a great question, Jen. I think the hardest part is um, time management for mm-hmm. me personally. So you know, wanting to be at every event, you know, we really do our best to support every event. Uh, and I don't say that actually every organization and every individual who's doing good work in the community. And sometimes it can be hard to, for me, I think that's why yoga has helped me. It can be hard to stay present if you have say four events in one evening, but you know, you really want to be there having a conversation like you and I are where it's just you and the other person and you're listening and providing the best possible support you can for that person in that moment. And just, um, taking advantage, I guess, of the moments I have with people um, and making the best out of them, even if they, I may not be able to stay for the entire event. So mm-hmm. kind of, you know, if you're, if you're not in the position where you are going to four different events in one evening, you could stay for the whole event and you could network. And really sometimes it, you know, is really nice to just have that time where you go and meet somebody for, the group is going out for a drink and an appetizer after the event and you go. And often we don't get to do that because we're going to another event, but that's part of the position. I think it's, it's, so it's really trying to be in so many places at one time. Um, that can be challenging. Yeah. And you also have like a full-time job. It's not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yes. so challenging. Yeah. Yes. Um, luckily, I mean, given now all of us are doing this, but even if it, we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I would have the opportunity to work remotely, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I work out in Bluebell, so it's not very far from my home, so that's nice as well. And then uh, my husband actually teaches at Montgomery County Community College, so he's a full-time professor there, so also in Bluebell, so he has that 
shorter commute. So I think that helps. But yeah, trying to find, that's why I go back to yoga again, like, and running, you know, trying to find that time for yourself where you can disconnect and just breathe and Mm -hmm. just enjoy something that, you know, gives you an opportunity to just only have one thing to focus on and also, you know, enjoy a pastime you've had for Mm -hmm. years, which running definitely is for me. I still, so I really prioritize exercise, which I know you can identify with. Yeah. I think it's really important, even as busy as we get in these roles and in our jobs and even in our everyday lives. I think for me, I know I feel better mentally when I get a chance to exercise. So I always prioritize it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So let's dive into the workout portion. And you, you work at the night school here and I do. Tell us, like, why do you do it? Why is it important? I'm, it's so cool that you do that for French, I believe. Yes. I, so I love, yes, I love teaching French classes. I actually have a call with a French student right now. We don't have them because of the closure mm-hmm. of the schools in Colonial School District. But normally we have classes from September to December. And then, so 10 weeks, and then another 10 weeks from February to May on Tuesday evenings. So I have a French conversation class, which is, I like to call it French conversation one. So, but it really could be any background of conversation, if any at all, that you have. Uh, and if you're interested in learning the language, that class runs for 10 weeks on Tuesday evenings during those time frames. And then if you're going to Paris, which unfortunately a lot of my students are not able to go right now, but if you had planned to go to Paris or maybe you're considering going to Paris or you just love the city and want to learn more about it, I do a um, France it's actually a um, French Par- uh, Parisian focused or Paris focused class. So I do that as well on Tuesday evenings. So I actually have a call with a student from my French conversation one class tonight. With She has a couple questions about the language. She has been watching different videos I've sent to the class online and doing a couple exercises for fun and she has a couple questions. So we're going to be, have a little mini French lesson this evening. Oh my so I really, I love that. And I, I kind of fell into it through um, a friend at Yoga Home. She knew somebody who used to teach French for, it's actually called the Adult Evening School at Plymouth White Marsh High School. And she knew the former teacher and knew they had an opening for a French teacher. So she connected me with the organizer. And that's how I ended up taking on that opportunity and it's been about three years now oh so I really I really enjoyed it yeah three years wow I know it's crazy <laughs> and I think it's really important I mean you know for teaching too you know if you if you don't I love teaching actually so that's my that is one of my passions and so if I can pursue that continuously in some way I feel better about my contributions to society and and I'm, if I'm using my French which I also have been studying for years <laughs> and uh, also have a really strong passion for I think that that's like the best of both worlds so this really has been a nice I, I it is a hobby so a nice mm-hmm. hobby of mine I love that I'm missing it right now I know <laughs> I love that and you mentioned earlier that you and Yaniv got involved in the Rotary Club. Can yes. you can you tell us about it and what attracted you to join? Yeah, so we we both had never been involved with Rotary. We had a couple of friends who, and we're both in our thirties, so they were in our, their thirties as well, and they were in the Rotary Club, and we just had this belief that, like, the Rotary Club in my mind was just you know, a club that you join when you're retired and you have the time to volunteer. So I didn't even consider it, even though we were already volunteering and doing other types of work, but I just didn't really, I didn't really think of it as something that was open to the younger generations. And I think that's something that they were struggling with as a club. So there is a club, the Conshohocken Plymouth White Marsh Rotary Club based in this area who were meeting Thursday mornings, and they still do, and they were looking to bring in younger members. So they actually asked Yaniv, one of our friends uh, who is a Rotarian, asked Yaniv if he would like to start a satellite club. So what that is is that's a club that is part of the bigger club, 
but meets at a different time. So perhaps at a time that's more convenient for someone who is of a younger generation. So this club was established in March, 2016, and we met on Mondays at seven o'clock at, we tried a couple different restaurants in town and we ended up actually at Guppy's, right in Conjahawken. They have a second floor and their owner and their manager have both been very supportive of the Rotary Club in letting us use that space. And um, it was seven o'clock on Monday evenings and they still meet then. We still meet, not now, we're still trying to figure out how to meet given the new circumstance, but we still meet though Mondays at seven o'clock. And We've been able to actually, since doing that, since starting the Satellite Club and recruiting younger members, we've actually been able to um, become the youngest and most female Rotary Club in the Rotary District of Southeastern Pennsylvania. Ah, that's so great. Yeah, so it's really fun. A lot of people want to volunteer. And like, so that's the perspective I was coming from before we even joined Rotary and you started the Satellite Club is like, I wanted to volunteer, but I didn't really know who to volunteer with and how to get more involved and how to actually give back. So things like neighborhood cleanups and um, putting together uh, kits for the homeless for of essential items and um, helping different nonprofit organizations in the area with really whatever need they have um, and getting like hands on with the work that, we're doing is something that really attracted me and I think a lot of younger people in Conshohocket. Yeah. So how how can others join? Like what what's the procedure to join? So it's actually it's um, there is we have a really uh, like a strong membership um, committee in the Rotary Club and there's actually um, a really um, I think very well organized procedure to join. So if you visit um, cpwrotary.com there's a form you can fill out just letting the club know that you're interested in joining and then you'll be invited to come to a couple meetings and to check it out and to network with people in the club and have any questions answered and then the membership committee will guide you through the process from there. Oh, that's so awesome. yeah, it's, um, it's really something that I think is, is special and unique to our town. And I, if anyone is interested in this organization, I'll put a link in the bio here for them to get more information. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Jen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned Kanchi running, and this is a total personal question for you because you've been a member for a few years. You've made some really good friends from it. Uh, what are And this is, like, tough because I wrote this before <laughs> – I read this question before I knew it was going to happen, but what are some running goals you have for yourself this year? Oh, yeah. So I know that must be hard because <laughs> a lot of us are are just struggling with the cancellation of races and the uncertainty of, of not – the uncertainty that comes with not having a goal race. But I actually am in a unique spot in that my goal race is not until November. So mm-hmm. my goal this year is to run the Philadelphia Marathon. Yay! <laughs> yeah, so Jen, I know that um, that holds a special place in your heart. Marathons mm-hmm. do. And as a, a veteran marathoner, I'd love to talk with you more about any advice you'd have. Uh, I, it's always been a dream of mine, but so I do have to give credit to my coach. So Christy Campbell from Run the Long Road Coaching is my running coach. And before I met Christy, I was the runner who would just go all out every time I ran. It was like, what is the point of running if I don't just completely give it 110% and can't even breathe at the end of my run every (laughs) single time? (laughs) And I think that that a lot of it comes from just being in high school running. I don't know if other high school runners can identify with this, um, but there was this belief that like you really just needed to give it your all every single time you ran. Like it was just, why else are you out there? And like, we were just told that day in and day out and um, it's not safe. I, it's, and it's, so I was getting injured a lot. So I have mm-hmm. a string of injuries and every time I did a half marathon, it would be okay. Train for the half marathon for 12 weeks, run the half marathon, get injured during the half marathon, go to PT, take six to eight weeks off, come back do another 12 weeks of training for the half marathon, get injured again, 
PT for six to eight weeks, do it again. So I would typically do two half marathons a year, but sometimes I would get injured before the half marathon and not be able to run it. Um, or I would do it and then I would have like, I had the love run I did one year, which I know you've done as well. The half marathon that happens in March, which I was supposed to do and is canceled or rescheduled. Oh, rescheduled. rescheduled. Yeah. Um, but then I couldn't do the broad street run in May because I was injured from the love run in March. So it was this crazy cycle that I, I wasn't, it was not sustainable and I wasn't able to run regularly as an adult. And I really wanted to be able to run injury free. So I started working with Christy in January, 2018, and I am now 20 months in to running consistently with no injuries. Yay! Yeah. And there are little, um, and Christy will say this too, there are little like niggles, like little things that happen here and there, but I have a really strong rehab program and I'm strength training and um, most of my runs now are not all out. In fact, even the speed workout is probably not all out for the whole run. And that's once a week. So the rest of my runs are at easy to moderate pace. Most of them are actually at easy pace. And um, that is the only way I think I was able to get to this point where I felt ready to run a marathon. So the plan is to run the Philadelphia Marathon this November. Yay! <laughs> yeah! And I just like a few things about that. I feel that there is a shift in this way of like coaching and teaching running of how you really need to focus on running slower during your longer runs, during your recovery runs, because the speed is so important. Like the workout is so important, but you have to give your body rest. And if you don't, that's when you have injury. That's, I think it's also like not only a body breakdown, but it's like, mentally like really hard that's when you burn out from running and get frustrated I have heard people talk about that too and I know that spot where it's just like you feel like you don't get a break every run is like a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. and a lot of like push to hit this certain pace and a lot of not listening to your body Mm -hmm. and I I like vividly remember that love run that you're referring to I feel that was like, I don't know, maybe 2017, 2018. I forget. But I vividly remember like you being in a boot at some point. Yes. I definitely rolled my ankle in the middle of the love run. Yes. And I I say now, like it was because I was not doing any rehab. I was just running and I was doing yoga, which I think yoga is wonderful as a supplement to running. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like I needed to be doing something else in my own personal program Mm -hmm. to... Uh, build up, you know, all of the muscles and ligaments that support me while I run. So yes, that was very devastating. And then after that, I got a stress fracture in my foot. Um, still, and so even this goes to show, even when you have a coach who's very focused on recovery-based runs and run, you know, run slow to run fast is a lot of what Christy will say is her philosophy. But if you have a coach, um, even who's like that, you have to listen to your own body at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I still struggled with that, even in the first six to eight months of training with Christy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and running is hard on our bodies. And <laughs> as we get older, it's we have to do other things to keep ourselves safe and healthy. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, too. I think that as you age, like I know that I personally am running better, stronger, faster than before, but there is so much more I have to do in order to not get injured and to maintain a sense like I'm foam rolling. It's blocking out the time is so annoying and hard, but it's important. Yes. It's so important. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, like you said, you're running faster than you were mm-hmm. when you were younger, but in order to allow yourself to be able to do that exactly. and block the time for them. I think that's really important too, making time for rehab mm-hmm. and recovery. Yeah. yeah. That was the other thing. I don't know if you've, um, like I've had a hard time getting my head around this as an adult runner, like rest days, you have to take rest days. Yeah. Um, I just, that was not something that I did. It was like, well, when you're not running, then you're, you're doing power yoga or mm-hmm. you're doing, the bike or you're doing something else but just to have a day where you don't do anything for your body has been really helpful for me in my running 
Yeah. Oh, so important. So important. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Um, Can you explain what Paul sees the world is and why it's important to you? Yes. Thank you so much for bringing up this topic. I really do appreciate it. So Paul sees the world is a blog. It's a WordPress blog created by Paul McConnell, who was a dear friend of mine and my husband's, and he was a fellow Rotarian. So that's how we originally met Paul. And then he also, um, is the Rotarian who encouraged Yaniv, my husband, to run for mayor. Paul is the former borough council president of Conshohocken. So he has had political experience. So yeah, um, really (laughs) a neat neat guy. And he he was um, an IT professional for Mayor Source Bergen, full-time, traveled, but really had this passion for writing and just decided one day, I'm just going to, he actually said it took him months to get there, which as a writer, excuse me, as a writer, I understand. Um, putting your writing out there for the world to read is really scary. Mm-hmm. And he said it took him months to be able to do this, but he put together a blog called Paul Sees the World. And Paul was an avid traveler, so for work, but also just for fun. So he, and he loved writing about it. So he, and he loved cats as well so we had a cat so he would uh, he would write about cats and then he would also he loved analyzing things that are related to travel such as food and airlines so Mm. he would write a lot about those topics as well so when Paul passed away Paul he actually was diagnosed with cancer in um, Mm. early 2018 and then he it was early 2018 and then um he actually passed away in early 2019. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and it was just too soon. It still breaks my heart. Um, I definitely still miss him every day. But he he is the reason, though. So I've always been a writer, and even going to grad school for writing was not writing because that's not my full-time job, and it's just very hard to stick to a routine of writing. It's very isolating, can be, and... But I always felt better when I did write, and I, like Paul, wanted people to read my writing but was scared to share it with the world. And he said, Sarah, and this was before, I think it was even, might have been like early 2018, like right around when he was diagnosed, he was still writing regularly though, and he said, you know, would you be interested in writing for my blog? And so I was like, I don't know, I just, maybe, I'm not really, it seems kind of scary, I don't know what I'd write about, like all these excuses I kept giving him. And then he finally just said that, well, I'm traveling and I need somebody to write while I'm traveling. So, you know, can you, can you just write, just, just, we came up with a topic and he said, just, it'd be great if somebody could write while I'm traveling, you know, could you do this for me for this month? And so I wrote this article about, it was about my, actually, I I love cooking now, but I don't, and I don't bake as much as a result. So I was trying to bake a meringue pie, and I learned that, I don't know if you've ever baked meringue, Jen, but when you do, this is this was news to me, but when you do, you, meringue has, like, little, like, they're kind of, like, um, you know, whipped puffs that you put on, like, top of the pie. Yeah, okay. And mm-hmm. they, they can, if the balance is off in any way of the ingredients, they kind of, they break apart and they start to, like, ooze this liquid and that it's called weeping so the pie was weeping so so I tried to make a key lime pie to bring to my friend's house for a dinner and my husband had it on his lap in the car and it just like just leaked all over him and fell apart so we had to it did not make it to my friend's house we had to throw it out but it was such an interesting story that and for some reason it motivated me enough to, to tell it. So it was interesting enough that I felt motivated to tell it. So I did. It was my first blog post. But I have been given the wonderful opportunity to continue curating posts and creating posts for Paul's blog. And we have different writers. We have a Feature Friday feature. Um, we try to keep up with every Friday. 
uh, everyone from a police officer in Conshohocken for the Conshohocken Police Department Aww. to um, an avid photographer and writer herself to Paul's niece, actually. Mm. Um, we have a range of guests who write for us, and then I try to write at least uh, every two to four weeks as well. So it's a, it's a regular blog site, and um, we, we hope to stay active for years to come, really. I, I love that. And I'm laughing so much at the meringue story. It's like, <laughs> I feel like I stay away from anything that could potentially like collapse for that reason. Like anything. That's basically what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the weeping. I, it's like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like the key, like quiche, I think I can handle now, but I don't know anything that can collapse in the oven and is delicate. I'm like, nope. <laughs> and it looks so easy when they tell you how to make it. Like, yeah. It's it's very fragile. It it's fragile and it's like that wispy. It's almost like a cloud. Yes. So you think it could be light and easy and fluffy, but it's it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll have to send you the article so you can read it. I can't wait. I'm so excited to read that. <laughs> and Paul's uh, blog is free, so anyone can subscribe. Anyone who's listening can subscribe to Paul sees the world, and it's actually paulseestheworld.com. Awesome. I will also add that link too. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so you talked a little bit about um, suicide and mental health um, because of your brother. And I've actually, on this podcast, had two episodes on mental health because it is an important topic. It is part of the whole mindset of what this show is about. And I do want to like really address this here. Like, what opportunities do people have today to stop another life from being taken from mental illness? Jen, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about mental health and mental illness and for um, having this space for this topic on two other podcasts. I think that's incredible. And that's really what we need is more leadership from people in the community in, like, talking about this topic, in, in taking an active stance in in saying like, I'm going to hold space for this topic and I'm going to, it's going to be uncomfortable, but we're going to have to talk about it because we need to support each other. That's the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a great question. So there's actually something I'd be happy to send you a link to this that you can share with the listeners. There's something called QPR training, which I think is the most valuable way that you can support others in our community who you think may be at risk for suicide, or even if you don't know anyone, how to be ready to help mm-hmm. someone if someone in your circle or network or everyday life um, is at risk down the road. There's something called QPR training, which is question, persuade, refer, and it's free. And it's offered actually the task force, the Montgomery County Suicide Prevention Task Force coordinates these trainings all over the county mm-hmm. several times a month. Okay. Um, they actually are offering them at the school level now, too, which is really great. So um, I'm hoping that uh, Colonial, school, Colonial School District excuse me, will be able to offer some for students in our area soon. Mm-hmm. So what it does is it gives you a really, I don't want to say simple because this is, you know, this is a difficult topic. So I want to be mindful of that, the heaviness of the topic. But I think it's an accessible way to ask people if they're considering suicide, if they are feeling suicidal and like know what to say after if the person says yes, because I think that can be really hard. The fear is, you know, what if the person says yes, I don't know if I'll be able to help. It'll be uncomfortable. I won't know what to say next. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a process, a three-step process that's really accessible for anyone that, you know, gives you the tools to ask the question, are you considering suicide to, to persuade, so to ask an additional question, and then to refer them to resources. So Mm -hmm. question, persuade, refer. And we actually did hold a training at Yoga Home in Mm -hmm. Conchahokan just about two and a half weeks ago, and I do know that they're trying to schedule another one. So I'm hopeful that they will. Yeah, that's great, because I feel that there are people who are concerned for other safety, and how can we do this without... I don't know, without making the person feel like even feel worse than they already do. Right. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people do fear that. I mean, I know I did. It was, I had the fear of like, well, I don't want to put the idea in someone's head. Mm. 
if I ask it. But in the work I've done with Prevent Suicide PA and in the trainings I've taken, I've learned that that is not possible. I don't want to say not because yeah. there's probably a chance for everything, but for the most part, it's not true. If someone is thinking about suicide, it's already been an idea in their head. Mm-hmm. And if you can help them say it out loud, it often becomes less of a monster and has less power than if it just stays internal. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's so, and people worry about that. I mm-hmm. mean, that's totally normal, but I think that what people really need is someone to listen to. Mm-hmm. So I always hear this too. Um, give the gift of going second. So give someone the gift of going second because going first and saying, I feel, I, I want to take my own life. I feel suicidal. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm giving up. If to say that initially to someone is really hard and really yeah. scary. Yeah. But if you can give someone the gift of going second and sharing that because someone said, Hey, you know, I, it seems like you're having a hard time. You don't seem like yourself anymore. Are you considering suicide? Like, wow, that person just opened up and made, made it safe for me to say what I've been feeling because I'm really scared to say it. Mm. Yeah. And I like how this can spread, hopefully, to into the school system. Anyone that works with kids in particular, even though it's not, it's clearly not just kids that are affected by this, but yes. I think it's so, so important. Yeah. That's something else I've learned in, um, through the task force and through working with Prevent Suicide PA and taking these trainings. It can be any age. Mm-hmm. Any age is affected by suicide. Anyone can be at risk. Suicide, and that's the other thing that always blows me away, is like there is no demographic that is more, in my experience, you know, is is not affected by suicide in some way or is not at risk for suicide. And every time I've held an event in Contra Hocken, I'm always blown away who comes to the event because it's it, it's it's so unexpected there's no way you can it's all it's every different demographic there mm-hmm. is no one demographic that it affects more than others I mean I can't say more than others because there are statistics out there and I recognize that but I say that and just saying that anyone is susceptible and at risk mm-hmm. to suicide yeah um so I'm gonna switch gears again <laughs> um Great. as the first lady you've been really active and I it, Thank you for also opening up and saying that one of the things that you are struggling with is time management because from someone looking outside into this, like you impressed me so much. And thank you. what are like your favorite local events that you love to be part of? Like what are the ones, because we have so many great stable events and as like first lady, what are you like, this is, this is it. (laughs) Well, I have a personal bias. Um, My husband has an event or um, it's that he does every year. So he has a background in the arts. He's actually um, a filmmaker and a former film student. He has an MFA in film. That's his passion, um, one of the many. But he, because he has an affinity for the arts, he's actually put together the um, arts festival here in Contra Hocken, which happens in June. And I know you're, you and Sean are familiar with. Mm-hmm. So that actually he... So this is another great, I think, advantage of where he is and being able to connect people. He actually was able to connect the car show, which is a long-standing event here in Conshohocken, with the arts festival and offer one big arts festival and car show. He actually was able to do that because he connected with the Freemasons here in Conshohocken. So the Fritz Lodge, uh, they're wonderful and they're, um, oh my gosh, I should know his official title, um, but I think, I forget what the official title is of um, the individual who's in, currently in charge of the lodge, but his name is Glenn Quinn, and so he's in that position this year, but he was able, Yannick was able to connect with him, and um, he he has a affinity for cars and, and is very connected and was able to kind of take over managing the portion of the car show. Mm-hmm. So then Yaniv was able to work with the Conchahokan Art League to take over and start, I should say, the arts festival portion. So that happens every June. Uh, and that, um, I'm biased to say, is probably one of my favorite events here in Conchahokan. 
So there are a lot of there are a lot of really uh, small artists who come to the um, arts festival and car show here in Conshohocken, and there are vendors there. They have a booth and they have a spot, and maybe they've never been in an outdoor festival before, and they've never had the crowd of people coming up to them that they've had in the past, and. A lot of artists, you know, maybe will sell at a local shop some of their product, but to really be showcased as an individual artist selling product, you know, in your own booth is a big opportunity for them. So we get a lot of people who are doing a lot of different types of mediums uh, come to the arts festival to sell their products, and I really like the opportunity to be able to support these individuals. We often um, see them go on to go in and exhibit at different festivals down the road. Um, they you know, we have 2,000 people who come through the show every year, and to be able to connect with that many people and share their social media links and pages and sell their product and generate interest in that way is just um, really, really um, my favorite part, I think, about the festival. I love that. And if the weather's beautiful like it has been, it's such a fun day. <laughs> yes, it really is. It, and, you know, we lucked out. The first year we did it in 2018, it looked like it was going to rain and it was threatening to do so all day. And then it held out until 5 o'clock when the sky opened up and it just poured. But the festival was 12 to 5. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> And then last year was very hot, but was there hot. was no rain. Mm -hmm. So, so far, uh, the festival is still on. Um, we have a number of artists who have registered. Uh, we have generous sponsors who have offered to, to help us out um, with the festival and have contributed. And then um, we also have a bunch of car vendors who have also signed up. So we're working uh, as if the event is still on, and it is. And if you wouldn't mind featuring the link, we actually, um, it's actually conchahockenmayor.com and then forward slash arts festival. So I can send that to you, Jen. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like such a fun day. Like, I know, like, Brayden loved it. There was, like, music and just, like, fun stuff for kids, too. Yeah. I know. So it, it, it does seem to be applicable to all ages, which is great. Um, we even had, um, like, different musicians there both years playing a variety of different music. So that's been really cool to see. Um, so we do think of it as supporting the arts of all categories. Mm -hmm. So we actually have a cultural corner as well. Um, so we have, we, we actually had a, um, like live performance last year by, um, there's actually, um, someone who is Senegali who plays the drums and, um, mm -hmm. his group played with him. And then we also have, um, a woman who who is Puerto Rican who has a group uh, dancing and singing um, as well. So we call it the cultural corner, but we have a lot of different acts that participate live on the street um, in different capacities. So it's very interactive too. Yeah. Oh, so fun. And yes. one of the things I feel like ever since I've known you, ever since I've met you, like you've been writing – since the school newspaper, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, in high school, I did, I did write for the school news newspaper. I love that you are someone who's living your purpose through your passion projects. And why should we all be doing some sort of civic endeavor? Like, why is this important? I think it's really important because I think, I think it, that's how our, like, I think that's, how we grow as individuals, but how we encourage others to grow and how we, how I think it's, it complements our day job very well and can only benefit if you have, if, you know, if it's not your main, you know, nine to five or your, you know, your source of um, financial stability, if you will, I think it can only benefit that. But I also think it's like the most important part of life. You know, if it's, if for me, at least, it's when I want to engage in those type of civic endeavors, I kind of feel as if I don't have this sense of time passing. Like, I, mm -hmm. I feel very present. I feel very connected. It's very fulfilling. Yeah. But I do want to recognize that some people do feel that way, you know, in in your nine-to-five job as well. So, but I think, I think it makes us all, the society 
in general more well-rounded mm-hmm. so more in, and we could even become more if if you know more accepting more accept and accessible mm-hmm. for everyone yeah I love that so here are the wrap-up questions that I ask everybody and okay. I'm so excited to hear what you're gonna say uh, what are some stretches you're doing in your own life? So again, this could be general. It doesn't have to be running related or fitness related. So I actually, um, I still love the stretch where you just like hang upside down, like like not hang upside down, but like you, you, you touch your toes, but then you just kind of like hang there. I feel like that's very good for like as a runner, my hamstrings are always tight. I think as people in general, hamstrings can be tight. And for me, just being able to like try and touch the ground or try and touch my toes and just kind of like staying there is really like opening for my lower back and um, kind of like freeing in the same sense. Mm -hmm. So I'll mention, I'll mention that hamstring stretch, which is always a personal favorite of mine. But then I also really love foam rolling mm. and I never thought it's kind of like a love hate. Mm-hmm. I do have to say, because sometimes it does hurt, but I think it's, um, it's like really, I mean, I've lately been doing, and Christy mentioned this, um, my coach from run the load, run the long road, um, coaching mentioned this the other day, like you can also use the foam roller for like your neck and your back. So I've been using that as well, just to like loosen things up. I think especially in a time like now when you're, you can be kind of tense and holding everything in. Um, I think there's some release that comes with just rolling on this piece of foam. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's so funny. We're doing this like little workout video with Brayden. And one of the workouts is like the windmill. It's basically where you like touch your opposite toe, like toe with your hand. And I'm like, it's the, we do it first thing in the morning and I'm like, I'm so, this is so embarrassing. Like I'm a yoga teacher and I feel this stretch so much. (laughs) The windmill. I actually haven't heard of that. Oh my gosh. It's just like you like bring your arms out wide and then you take like your right hand and bring it down to the left foot and then you like come back up and then you alternate and I'm like, it's too early. I need to be doing some kind of like sun salutes before I can even find that hamstring stretch. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a way to wake up I know I know it's so funny but that like I guess the forward fold and the hamstrings reminded me of that <laughs> yeah sometimes the forward fold can feel that way where it's just kind of like a little bit of a shock to your system mm-hmm. yeah um so but it wakes you up yeah so what's something you're doing in your own life now that for you only like something you enjoy so I I actually have taken up reading what book what book are you reading right now so i'm reading right now i'm reading um so i love uh wally lamb so he actually mm-hmm. is a graduate of vermont college of fine arts where i went for my mfa program too um is that she's come undone so, is that yeah okay yeah okay and so his other book um i read one of his other books is the hour i first believed mm-hmm. so it's actually kind of interesting to be reading it now because society is in a state of panic because um the Columbine high school shooting has just happened in the book. Mm. So society in there, and it's fictional, but the event is not fictional. Mm-hmm. So it's a fictional teacher who taught there following his experience from when the shooting happened all the way through. So mm. it's interesting. And I, but I love reading because I do think it makes me a better writer So I've been really trying to read more because I get inspiration from my own writing and I learn things and um, I support other writers as well. So that's something I've been doing for me. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. And what is something that you can't stop talking about right now? Oh, gosh. Um, Something that I can't stop talking about right now. Um... So I, like something that came to mind right away uh, to bring it back to yoga is in yoga we talk about, and I heard Maura Manzo say this well, a couple weeks ago in one of her classes, how we use the breath. And so the breath is a tool that we don't always remember we have. Mm-hmm. So something I have been thinking about myself and reminding myself of often and trying to tell my family and friends is that like you can always go back to your you don't have to be doing yoga or actively practicing meditation or exercising, but we can all remember to breathe and to use our breath to help us 
in um, whatever situation we're currently in, and especially now. Yeah, I love that. And it is interesting when you just like pay attention to the breath, that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You feel much more in control, Mm -hmm. even if you're not. Yeah, because how much control do we actually have? Not very much. I know. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so nice. Jen, thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to have been a guest on But First Stretch, and I really appreciated the opportunity to talk with you today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. It was so great to take some time out of my day and talk to her. I am so happy that she was able to come on, talk about what drives her and how she is such an important part of our community. So I'm going to wrap up with an idea that she mentioned at the end, um, this constantly coming back to the breath that I know is something if you follow Mara Monzo on Facebook she and Instagram, she has a lot of great tools and tips as well. So I'm really excited to just do a small grounding meditation to send you on your way. If you are liking this podcast, please subscribe, please leave a comment, please like, and if there is a topic that interests you and there's something you want me to bring to the show, please send me a message. You can follow me at FitFamConchi on Instagram, on Facebook, or my personal account, which is Jennifer McCracken, JenniferMC3 on Instagram. So come to a comfortable position. It can be cross-legged. Your feet can be on the floor. And just lower your eyes or close them. And first bring your awareness to your posture. Letting the spine grow nice and tall. And gently bring one hand to the heart and one hand to the belly. And notice your chest begin to rise and the chest begin to fall. And then take that other hand that's on the belly and gently bring it on top of the hand on the heart. Notice how just your hands in this space might have brought a sense of calm. Notice that area, the heart space. Notice the chest expand and the chest collapse. And take this moment to send yourself gratitude for all that you do every day. How important you are to our community, to the world. No matter in the days where you might not feel like it, This breath here is exactly what you need. It's exactly what we all need. Knowing that in this moment you're doing the best you can. Knowing each morning when you wake up 
You're doing the best you can. Whenever it feels overwhelming, just come back to this breath. Come back to the gratitude for yourself. Inhaling in. Exhaling out. And then gently opening your eyes whenever you're ready, releasing the hands. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, ending with our grounding breath meditation. I hope you join me next week. Bye.